Good evening. We have a bunch of brave souls here tonight willing to venture out into the wild whiteout. But how many know that the more something costs you, the more benefit you receive, right? So tonight, you're in for a special treat and revelation from the Lord. Amen. All right, stand with me and let's come before the Lord together and then we'll worship Him in song. Father, we thank You that You have brought us here safely tonight. Thank You, Lord, for Your ministering spirits that You've sent to minister to those who are going to inherit salvation and in particular for our safety and we bless You for it. Lord, we thank You for being good to us and that Your spirit of revelation sets and rests upon us tonight. We look to You as our source, as the revealer of secrets, Lord, that we would grow and, and mature in You. In Jesus' name, and amen. amen. Aren't you so grateful that we have the name of Jesus? It's the name that carries all authority in the earth, above the earth, and beneath the earth. And that name has been given to us tonight. So in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare revelation to you tonight, life to you tonight, healing to you tonight, and that by the Spirit of the Lord, you're going to begin to hear more accurately than you've ever heard before from the Lord. That your sensitivity in the Spirit is growing. And that this weekend marks a turning point in your life of intimacy with the Lord and therefore in lockstep with Him as well. In Jesus' name. And I thank You for it, Father. I ask You, Lord, by Your Holy Spirit to open up our eyes in any areas that we've been blinded or we've become calloused, Lord, that You would soften our, those hard places in the heart or conscience. And Lord, I ask that You would open up our ears to hear clearly and to hear accurately the Word as it's taught. And be our teacher tonight by Your Spirit. In Jesus' name, and Amen. Well, good evening. Good evening. Thank you all for braving the snow. You know, in Florida, we would have had to have done this online because people would have been at home seeking the Lord, looking for His return. Uh, <laughs> just out of fear. Uh, that's it's. Uh, I've I've been enjoying the snow. Uh, pastor's not. I now I've been enjoying it from the inside because um, I I didn't have any waterproof clothing and stuff. So took some videos so my daughter could see it and things like that. So it's kind of fun, you know. Um, hey, I do have some things. I, I've been praying about this, and honestly, I was struggling this afternoon um, because. Uh, normally I teach this in seven services and I normally don't have enough to, I don't, I don't have enough time then. I think there's 35 broadcasts on television just about this um, and I didn't get done then. Uh, they just, the, the way they've been doing with me TV, they've cut me back to where I can only, they really only want me to teach on a subject no more than 10 dot days. Um, though we just shot How to Walk by Faith and that took 20 and I didn't get done. I did do five on discipleship, and I stopped. So that was, that was pretty good. So um, the, 
so there's a lot that I have to say. In this, this is a teaching on the USB. Now, we do our USBs differently than most uh, ministries. Uh, one, uh, for those of you who don't know, the partners of Curdoin Ministries and I, we want to make, we are sword sowers. We put swords in people's hands so that they can defend themselves and defend others. And so, if uh, these are 25 bucks each, but if you don't have the money, all you have to do is say, I need that, but I don't have the resources, and the partners of Curdoin Ministries will bless you with this. Uh, we do not believe that money should ever keep you from being able to receive your answer. And so, um, we give it away, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars a month in product every, every month. So, but the way we do USBs is a little bit different. I've taught this, I taught this last year, and then I taught it in a couple different places. And what we do is, since we have 16 gigs on a USB drive, this costs us $10. My thing is, is it's going to cost us the same $10 whether we give you seven messages or whether we give you 100 messages, right? And so why should we short the people? So every time I teach a Hearing from God conference, we just add it to the USB until we run out. Uh, that way, when you get this, at least I think this is right. And if it's not right, just contact the office and say, hey, I want them all. Um, because I teach it differently when different people are in front of me. The Lord pulls it out of me differently. He has me say different things. So I might say something different in Colorado than I say here, but it would register on you. So you're better off just to listen to it all, get it down on the inside of you, hear it a couple different ways. And I don't ever, we just don't want money to ever be the thing. So we do have these out there. I don't know how many we have. We were just at a church on Sunday and we sold out of everything. So they were scrambling, trying to put things together. And then we have the 31 days to hearing from God more accurately devotional. This is so that every day you can feed on this subject um, because this is important. And so uh, how much did we say these were? Ten bucks. So these are back there. Again, if you don't have the money, um, if you don't have the money, we'll give it to you. That's the partners of Cornell Ministries believe in you, and we want to sow that into your life. So these are on this subject, but there is a ton more material on here. I don't know that the television broadcasts are on here, but I, I, they should be. But if they're not, you know, just say something. They're on YouTube. Um, but get these because there's, I'll say it a lot differently, and I'll say it in different ways, and you can feed on it over and over again. And I think you all are going to make the recordings of this available, right? All right, so, uh, and there's other stuff back there. It was interesting when uh, Pastor was at talking to you about scriptures and about scriptures regarding prosperity. Uh, and the, the scripture that came up in my heart is one that I normally actually teach in these services is uh, Isaiah 48, 17. He is, the Lord my, he is the Lord my Redeemer that teaches me to profit, that leads me in the way that I should go, right? There's more to it, but that's the gist of it. That's also a prayer that we pray over our partners every day, that you are redeemed, that he is today teaching you to profit, and you are following his leading, and you are profiting in every area of life. Now, here's the interesting thing about that verse. It, it illustrates something. Go ahead with me, and let's just turn over there. Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way that you should go. I, we, we pray that we, he's leading you by the way you will go because we're adding our faith you'll actually do it. Um, here's what a lot of people don't understand about hearing from God. 
a large part of the promises in Scripture being fulfilled in your life are actually relationship-dependent because they rely on you actually hearing from God. I want you to think about this verse. You have just sown seed, and you should desire a harvest. You should desire that this is the smallest you have ever tithed. Not these weren't tithes. This is the smallest you've ever given. And that from this point forward, whatever you sow tonight will be the smallest you ever give again. That you will begin to multiply. That you will begin to harvest off that seed. So that number grows every week, every time I'm here, every time somebody receives an offering. So that you can fund the gospel all over the world. Like our brother said in the verse, that you have an abundance for every good work. There in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, right? So, but how does that happen? Does money rain from the sky? Does um, we have a money tree outside that just comes up? Right? Or does the Lord teach us to profit and lead us in the way that we should go? Now, if He is going to teach me to profit, it becomes important that I hear from Him so that I can walk in that profiting. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an illustration of this um, from, from my own life, okay? Um, we, had, we had a house. Uh, it was my wife's house before she owned it before we got married. Um, we didn't live there for the couple, first couple years of our marriage, and then we decided to cut expenses, so we're going to move in the house. It was a small house, okay? But we, and so we'd been trying to decide, are we going to live here or are we not? And so we said, yeah, we're going to live here. And then all of a sudden the AC broke down. And AC is probably one of the most important things to me in life. Um, there's Jesus, my wife, my daughter, and, and, well, the Holy Spirit's in there. And the AC and, and air conditioning, right? I, I, uh, I, I can handle no air on the mission field. But here in the States, that puppy better work, right? And I, and I got a, a unit that's probably two sizes too big for my house. So I could get it so cold in there, we could hang meat, okay? And so, <laughs> true. And um, so I like it cold, okay? So the AC breaks down. We make a decision that we're going to go ahead and replace the unit, obviously, with a larger unit so we can get it colder. And uh, so we refinance our house, right? And so we, we roll it all into it because we're going to be in this house for a while. Everybody with me? Okay. So now this is after the, the housing collapse. Every, the, the housing collapse has happened. Uh, in our city, we had 14 or 18,000 homes that were never inhabited. People had bought them, that they were going to um, flip them, never did it. I mean, it was a complete destruction, okay? So um, <clears throat> right after this, we refinance this house. All of a sudden on the inside of me, uh, and some of the things I'm going to teach you about tomorrow night, I start getting a prompting that we need to go buy a house. So I said to my wife, uh, we, we, had, we were originally going to buy a house when we got married, but then the church was going to purchase a building, so we took all of our savings, and we figured the only way we're ever going to have a house is if we put God's house first. So we took our savings, emptied our savings, gave it to the church, so the church, it helped the church buy the, the building, okay? 
so that we that's that so we weren't opposed to buying a house, but that we put God first, and so now we're a couple days down the road, years down the road. So I said to my wife, I said, you know, you, you probably need to call a realtor, and we need to go look at some houses. And she said, um, well, you know, we just refinanced this house. I don't, I don't even know if we could get another house, really. And I said, I, I, don't, I don't know either, but let's go. I tell you what, call the bank, let's talk to them, and um, call a realtor. And so nothing happens. I, I, two days later, I said, did you call the realtor? Are we, did we going to do the, She said, no, I haven't called them yet. We're, you know, because we stay busy all the time, okay? And uh, so a couple days later, did you call the realtor? No, I didn't. She, and then she stops and she said, you've asked me about this three times in a short period of time, and you've wanted me to go to the bank. Is the Lord talking to you about us buying a house? I said, I I believe he is. She says, you know, I'm not sure we can buy a house. I said, well, we're going to go as far as we can go in this. If the Lord's prompting us, this is what we're going to do. So we, we actually went to the bank, and um, we found out that um, we qualified for like a $300,000 loan in addition to our house. And we said, we're not spending that much on a house. Uh, we're not going to spend, utilize all of our faith every month for a house payment. And so we said, um, we'll spend about 100, we spent $140,000 is what we said. Okay. So um, we, what we wanted, we wanted a four-bedroom, two-bath house is what we were looking for. So we, now we start pursuing it. We've got this prompting on the inside. You've got, you got to pursue this. So we go, we go see a, several houses. We finally find a house that we really think, we, we really, really like, okay? And it was $125,000, and it was amazing because we thought, this is great. Um, it's under our budget. No, 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 excuse me. It was back like 139, so it was, on, it was on the thing. Still under our budget. This is great. This is amazing. Perfect layout. Um, because I play video games, my wife wanted me to have uh, the be- our, our bedroom to be on the other side of the house because she was tired of getting PTSD from shoot em, the shooting in the living room, right? So she wanted it, uh, it down the hall at least so she didn't have to hear it, okay? And um, so um, we find the perfect layout, and so we're like, we tell the realtor, yeah, we'll take this house. We'll get it. We'll get it. Then we find out that there's an error in the listing that the error that the house is actually $178,000. And so now we're at a crux. We have to decide. We'd said in our hearts, now the Lord didn't tell us. We had just made a decision that we're not going to spend all of our faith believing God every month and thinking about house payments. And so people say, well, God can do anything. Yeah, I get that God can do everything, but he's dealing with me. And sometimes we have issues. And you should be smart. And so we, 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 we said, you know, all we got to do is spend this extra 30 grand. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And so we, we had to let the house go. Perfect house. Day later, the uh, realtor calls us and says, um, hey, I found that house. Again, that exact same floor plan. The only thing is, is it's listed as a 3-2, not a 4-2. And it's a foreclosure. And he said, um, and it's $120,000. And they said, in the house that we looked at that we loved, 
the den, they put a closet in it so that now it would be considered a bedroom. But in this foreclosure house, it's a, the, they didn't put a closet in the den. Okay? And so it's, it's not, it doesn't look the same. He goes, but I, it's the exact same floor plan, I'm telling you. And it's in a better, more prosperous neighborhood. Do you want to look at it? Yeah, we want to go look at it. We walk into the house. Um, there is no AC in the house. Uh, they had, uh, the, they tore, it didn't been destroyed. There's dogs had uh, ripped up the carpets and stuff. And so now during this time on foreclosures, they didn't negotiate. You either paid the price or you didn't. So we, but I thought, well, we'll still do it. 125, we said we offered them 120 because we figured that would offset the price of the AC. Okay. So they said, no, we will not do that. We're not cutting the price. But what we will do is we will pay closing costs, which was $8,000. So this went pretty good. So we were happy. So we buy this house, and um, we, we get a deal on the AC. Uh, we, we tiled the entire house, okay, um, and things. And we're now at $140,000. The house has been completely done. And at this point, by the way, that other house that we did not get sold for uh, the full asking price. So now we know for a fact we've got $30,000 of equity in our house, okay, right now, right at that point, okay? So we get it done and everything. It took us a while to get it done because I was bouncing in and out of town um, and things. So our realtor says, hey, I, I'd like to see what you did with the house. Could I come by and look at your house? This was like four or five months later. So he comes in, and he's like, wow, this is amazing. He goes, man, y'all have done a lot with this house. He said, would you be willing to sell this house? And he says, right now, I can get you close to $200,000 for this house. He said, you all are, do you know how lucky you guys are? He said, because you were actually the last house I sold before the market began to jump exponentially. He says, it's only been a few months, and you now have more, about fifty dollars to $60,000 worth of equity in this house right now. He said, y'all are lucky. And I said, no, sir, we're not lucky, and we're not smart. All we did was listen to what our Lord told us, and he taught us to profit and led us in the way that we should go. Are you with me? Okay, so... Uh, and now that house is uh, worth $500,000, and we've lived there for a- a eight years, maybe. So we're, we've got 400-something, you know, we've got a lot of equity in the house. Okay, and I'm not saying that to glorify us. I'm telling you simply how this works. If you try to ignore hearing from God, and you're at the same time seeking prosperity and seeking off this, all this seed you sowed, you're ignoring the very way he's going to try to fulfill that word to you. Are you with me? You will need to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And the only way to do that is to hear from Him. What about protection? What about safety? Um, we've had, we had a, a woman come to us one time praying and she said, um, she said uh, one day that she got mugged. And she was very unnerved about it. And she said because she's a believer and she's a child of God. How'd she get mugged? So we start talking to her. And the woman says, um, um, I, and she, they say, well, tell us about it. And she starts talking, and she starts talking about how um, that earlier in the day, she, she, she was thinking about going there, and down on the inside of her, it just, you know, something bothered her, but 
she prayed the 91st Psalm. And she quoted the 91st Psalm and she prayed it. And then she was getting ready to leave the house and it was troubling her. And, you know, but she quoted it again. And she declared the protective promises of God over herself. And she's, she's praying this. And then she goes to this place. That she, and, and asked her, did you have to go down there? No, I didn't have to go down there. It, just, it was something I wanted to get done that day. So she, she goes down there and she gets mugged. And um, I think it was my wife looks at her and says, well, how did you think God was going to fulfill those promises? He was fulfilling those promises. He was fulfilling the 91st Psalm. He was fulfilling that because he was trying to tell you, don't go to this place. Don't go at this time. He was trying to lead you and direct you. And you can't quote the word to the Holy Spirit violating his leading. If he's telling you don't do it, you can't claim the 91st Psalm. He's trying to protect you. You have to yield to him. You have to, you, I want a better marriage. Well, why don't you listen to him about how to be a better husband? Why don't you listen when he says, shut up? Y'all didn't like that part, huh? And nobody else in here, the Holy Spirit's never said, do not say that. Don't say that. And then you said it. And then it got worse. The Lord was trying to lead you in the way that you would profit in your marriage. He was trying to lead you in the way that you should go. And you ignored him. What about in healing? Could the leading of the Lord have an effect on our healing? What if you're eating, you know, a um, short time ago, um, probably about a year ago, um, everybody was talking about elderberry, right? Elderberry, elderberry, elderberry. You got to take elderberry. Help, it's good for you. Hey, take elderberry. So I start taking elderberry, right? And, you know, after a couple of days, I just don't feel good. Now, I'm not making the connection. I just don't feel right. So I start praying about it, and I start laying hold of the promises, and the Lord says, quit taking that elderberry. It's messing up your system. And I quit the elderberry. And voila, I'm healed. Right? I remember one time the Lord told me I was in um, Wyoming or South Dakota, and the Lord said, don't eat any sugar. And I'd like to tell you I was obedient, but I lied like that would be a lie. I'd be lying like a dog. Because I went to Walmart, and I wanted something to snack on while I was driving, and they'd just come out with chocolate licorice. And I thought I just wanted to try it. By the way, if you ever want to try something, don't buy the family pack. Get something smaller. Um, and so I, in the course of driving from the airport from uh, uh, South Dakota into Wyoming, I consumed a family pack without the family being present. Right? And the next morning I wake up and I am sick as a dog. Because I had depleted my immune system. And if I had just listened to the Lord, healing was available to me. Are you with me? During the, the whole COVID thing, I had a chance to get COVID. And, um, and uh, I, um, the Lord said, uh, I, I, I was feeling terrible. And this is what he said. He said, um, you need, th this COVID is trying to come on you. You need to get up and you need to go run. And I actually shot a video because I wasn't sure this was faith or stupidity. 
And, and I, I actually shot a video of myself in case they found my body laying somewhere because I, I, I felt horrible, right? And I, and I looked at the camera and I said, I believe the Lord's telling me I need to do this because um, it, my body, I feel sick. I feel like I'm about to pass out, but the, I, I'm, I'm going to use my body as a resistance tool. I'm going to resist this, so I'm going to go run. Well, that night I set a record for my time. Uh, I just started running again, and by the time I got back to the house, I was completely healed. I had nothing wrong. Now, what if I hadn't heard from God? What if I hadn't listened? See, there's a lot of these things in the Word of God that we see that He will fulfill through the intimacy of relationship in directing you and showing you what to do. Are you, are you with me? Now, um... Now, one of the things that happens, though, is with people is we get going and sometimes we try to, we're going to decide when we're going to listen to God, all right? Well, I think one of the best stories I've ever heard that is inspiring to me was there was a brain surgeon uh, that had graduated from Oral Roberts University and he's, he's, there was a particular type of surgery he did all the time. And one day, he, and he, it was repetitive, repetitive. He just did it all the time. This was his specialty, right? So one day, he's getting ready, and he's getting ready to uh, make the cut. He's going to make an incision in the brain to remove the tumor and all this other stuff. And right as he's about to uh, make the cut, the Lord speaks up and says, do not make the cut you normally make. If you do, it'll kill her. The, the scan was wrong. The v- blood vessels are intertwined shave, shave it off. Don't make an incision. Shave it, and you'll be able to do this. So he does exactly what, and it was exactly the way the Lord said. The woman did not die on the table. She was restored. The thing I admire most about that testimony is he was still listening to the Lord in something that he did repetitively. Because we get to the place that we know how to do this. And so I don't have to listen to, for the Lord anymore because I know what I'm doing. And we don't say that, but we're really not looking for Him to speak because we're on autopilot. I know how to do this. This is my field. I do this all the time. By the way, if you want to, for all you ministers, I'll help you with one of the things that will help you in flowing with the gifts of the Spirit is one of the things that happens with ministers, especially teachers, is this. They'll get up here, they'll be listening right after worship or during worship, and they're, when the atmosphere's set, it's like, okay, Lord, do you want me to do anything right now? Do you want me to do anything right now? Nope. And then all of a sudden, we open our Bibles and we start teaching, and from there on out, we are an autopilot. We're, we're just walking with that gift. And so if any point in the Lord, if any point the Lord wants to interrupt the service mid-message, say, you know what, I want to do this right now. Could we do that? Sometimes we don't hear it because we're not listening for Him anymore. Because all we're listening for is this, I know how to do this part. I know what he told me today in my prayer time that I'm supposed to say. I know what he told me today in my prayer time that I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to go do it. When in reality, what we ought to do is if God was this water bottle, then when I start the service, I set him in my peripheral vision and I start walking And I start doing what I believe he told me to do, but I'm always paying attention to what he's doing because if he changes what he's doing, I'm going to change what I'm doing. 
So if I have to stop a service in the middle of it and say, stretch forth your hand, or that bill that you received today that you were terrified of and that, that shocked you and you didn't know you were going to get that bill today. And when Pastor got up here and started talking about um, uh, receiving an offering, you're like, man, the, today is not the day because I don't know what I'm going to do about this. That, that if you will pay attention to him right there, in, you know, and all of a sudden I start calling out that you don't need to do that. You need to get quiet before the Lord. And if you'll listen, he'll tell you how to handle that that he could interrupt a service and do that because we're, we're keeping him in view at all times. And see, that's what the surgeon really inspires me about is even though he knew exactly what to do, he still kept him in view at all times. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And listen, there's a lot of practical things. One night I was, um, I'd been fighting down in uh, Margate, Florida just a couple years ago. I was flighting down to Margate. It's about an hour and a half, two hours from my house. Uh, we were knife fighting with some guys. It's their specialty. And so I was down there. I was training. They were teaching me. So I went down there. The class was only supposed to be an hour. The guy in the midst of it figured out that I knew a little what I was doing. And so he offered me a private lesson afterwards. He wanted to train with me. So now I'm, I'm later than I was. I'm supposed to be back home by 11. And now I'm not leaving Margate by 11. Okay, and so I'm call, I, I get on the road and I'm calling my wife, and um, as I'm driving up 95, I'm not using a GPS because you know I know how to drive home, right? And so while I'm while we're driving, I'm talking to my wife, and I'm approaching an exit, and I'm getting a, I'm getting a prompting from the Lord, and I'm trying to work it through, and I drive past the exit, and when I do, I went, oh no, my wife says what? I said, I think I just missed God. And she said, what? I said, I think I should have got off at that last exit just now. I think I should have got off there. I think I should have. I think I've missed it. She said, well, wh what's going on? I said, I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure I missed it. So she and I are still talking, right, for a while. And then all of a sudden, um, I see all the traffic up ahead. I said, I just figured out what he was talking about. And they had uh, traffic backed up for miles. There was a, a Federal Express truck that had caught on fire. And I didn't know this, but when a Federal Express truck caught on fire, or a package truck, they won't put out the fire because they don't know what's in the truck. So they don't know what chemicals to use or stuff. They sit there and they watch it burn until something happens that they can do it. So there's helicopters and everything. And so now I'm stuck in traffic that I could have completely avoided if I would have just obeyed the prompting. He was trying to teach me how to profit even in that area of my life. But I needed to pay attention. Are you with me? And so the Lord is faithful we must be faithful to the relationship to be listening, to pay attention. If He is the Lord our God that teaches us to profit, that leads us in the way that we should go, then He has to give our constant focus, especially in things that we already know how to do. You don't know how to do anything yet the best way to do it. And you know someone who knows how to do it better than you know how to do it right now. He knows what you're not seeing. He knows what you're not doing. So why wouldn't we stop and listen to him, especially since he is clear, when I'm leading you, 
I am leading you and teaching you to profit. I am not taking from you. I am not stealing from you. I am not robbing from you. I am teaching you to profit. I am leading you in the way that you should go. Okay, let me, I'll give you another illustration, okay? I'm giving you these stories because sometimes we, we're putting this off to big things. And I, let's talk about small things. So, I'll give you two. Um, so, my wife, we we just getting ready to know each other. We've been out to lunch once. I go to, uh, I'm picking her up for the second time to take her out to dinner. And I wanna, I'm going to bring her some flowers. So I go get some flowers. And I, I go to pu- the pub. We have Publix. It's like a grocery store, but they sell flowers. So I go in there, and there's a bouquet. And in the bouquet is a uh, sunflower, okay, a C- couple sunflowers. And so I grab the bouquet, and the Lord prompts me and says, you don't need the bouquet, you need those two sunflowers. And I'm like, okay. He's like, and I said, like, like just set them aside. He said, you can throw them away. I'm like, that's a lot of money to be throwing away. But it's like, okay, I don't get it. Two sunflowers, whatever that is. So I, 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 I pull up to pick my, uh, well, now my wife up. There's two, I'm driving a convertible, so uh, the two flowers are sitting on there, the sunflowers. She's on the phone with her best friend, and she says, you're never going to guess what he just did. Yeah, two sunflowers sitting on my seat. No, he, he doesn't know. There's no way he could know. I don't think I told him. She gets in the car, and she says, did I tell you my favorite flower was sunflowers? Did I tell you that? He is the Lord who teaches us to profit, who leads us in the way that we should go. Now, as I start talking to you about some of these things, and as I get deeper into these things, um, some of you are going to have this attitude of, I don't have that much time. I'm busy. Okay? Um, I'm going to, as I get into some of the practicalities tonight and tomorrow, this is going to be your attitude. Okay, your attitude's going to be, yeah, but I don't have that much time. I, I'm in a hurry. I, I need to know now. I, I just need to make a decision right now. And I don't, I don't have that much time. I don't have time. I'm not a preacher. I don't, I don't have time to do that. I, I, I'd go with you. I'd, I'd take my schedule up against yours any day. Um, I, I could show you my calendar. If you want to spend time with God, it, it's, it makes you have to make a decision to do it. It's more important than any appointment you currently have on your calendar. And see, what happens to me with these is people begin to push back. And they begin to tell me about, you know, it doesn't take all of that. It doesn't take being still. It doesn't take getting quiet. It doesn't take focus. But a couple years ago now, I was going to, about to go on a trip. And I was about to fly out, and the Lord prompted me and said I don't want do not take this trip I'm like and I I could not figure out why but I'm I've, I've learned I don't need to understand why because I can't see enough I'm not smart enough and I can't see far enough so if he's saying don't he's seeing stuff I'm not seeing and he couldn't explain it to me anyway right now maybe and so he says don't do it I'm not doing it so that um that night I uh I we go to bed, 
the middle of the night, my wife's not feeling great. Not feeling very well. And um, now it's about 6 in the morning. I got up and I was praying for her. And the Lord said, if she's not better, by 9 o'clock, get her, take her to the doctor. And I'm like, yeah. So we get up. We go to the doctor. She's not better. And I told her at that time, I said, if you're not better by 9 o'clock, I'm taking you to the doctor. She's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's probably just a bug. I'll gut it out. I'll just sit here and listen to healing scriptures, and I'll be fine. I'll just gut it out. I said, no, that's not what's happening. At 9 o'clock, we're going to the doctor. So we go to the doctor. They start running tests, and it's a clinic. Um, and they said, you need to get to the hospital immediately. We get to the hospital, and they tell us that my wife is septic. And so, and that uh, her basically, it's messing with her system. And then the doctor tells me, he said, if you'd have waited much longer to bring her in, she would have died. So what would have happened had I gotten on the plane was my wife would have laid there to gut it out and would have died. So when you try to tell me that you don't, I don't have that much time, there's too much going on, I have a busy life, I have work, I'm asking you what is it worth to you because it was worth my wife's life to be able to hear and to know and to be able to be there and to be obedient. So what is it worth to you? In Philippians chapter 3, when he starts talking about, when he talks about that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, literally in the Greek, I, I love how the Amplified says it. It says, uh, let's, um, let's go there, but I'm going to go there in the Amplified, if you'll forgive me. Um, I'll read it in both. Go with uh, me to uh, Philippians chapter 3 and... Verses when it's, uh, let me go back up, I think it's 8. Now in the King James, I'll read it in the New King James first. In the, we're in verse 8 and it says, uh, <clears throat> Yet indeed I count all things as lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. In context, you'll, he, he's given a list and he actually didn't lose them. He just no longer trusted them. Like he talks about his education, he talks about being a Jew, he talks about his heritage. He didn't lose those things, he just no longer trusted him. He was still a Jew, still had his education, they didn't repossess his diplomas. He just no longer trusted in them. And he goes on and he says this, he said, um, Indeed I count all things as lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now in the Amplified, I like how it says it. It says, Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Now here's the thing. When it's expressing this, it says it is a priceless privilege that we could know Him. But yet, I don't know about you, but I've put a price on it. It wasn't priceless to me. I've put a price on it. I, there was things I wanted to do. That spending time with him would have kept me from doing. Right? I mean, sometimes it's been as simple as cleaning out a garage when I'm being prompted. And, and so now I've put a price on it. My clean garage is worth this privilege that I have. I have this privilege to go in and talk. I have this privilege to go and visit. But, you know, 
They've offered me overtime at work. They've offered me, and now what are we doing? We're putting a price on the privilege. Am I losing you or are you with me? I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you where I had to get to. I had to realize I'm putting, I have this priceless thing that has been offered to me. I've been invited into this relationship and I'm declining the invitation. Because I'm desiring something else. I'm desiring it as a price. I want to spend time with family. I want to spend time with people. Everything else that you want out of life is enhanced by spending time with Him. It is made better. It is made more perfect. It is is better than you could ever imagine if you will start with Him first. Because he will tell you how to handle it. He will tell you how to get there. He will tell you how to avoid the pitfalls of whatever it is. In marriage, in business, in relationships, and in friendships. Whatever it might be. It is a priceless privilege. But we've got to quit putting a price on it. Where we ignore him. We don't set aside time for him. Now, the the other part that I like about this is the supreme advantage I bought a house pretty much the very last day you could buy one at the prices we bought it at. What if you could have that kind of wisdom in every single financial decision you could make? Is that not a supreme advantage? What if there was never a day that any person ever walked up to me with a problem that I wouldn't have an answer to? Now, I might have to stoop down on the ground and write for a minute or two to get an accurate answer. But there was never going to be a day that I didn't have an answer to, that I could be able to help people. What if, what if I could miss every single car accident? What if I could avoid every single pitfall? Is that not a supreme advantage? I mean, this is better than back to the future, than the guy taking the book and going back into the past, Right? With the almanac, like I already know the future. And I I literally have access to someone who knows the end from the beginning and is not shy about the information and sharing it with me, but I've been putting a price on this thing, and yet I have this supreme advantage. I know when to buy, I know when to sell, I know when to be at the right at the be at the right place at the right time every time. The supreme advantage. Of knowing Him. Of listening to Him. Of Him teaching me to profit. Leading me in the way that I should go. And so the thing that I beg you, I beg you, please quit putting a price on it. Please quit telling relatives, you know, I, I don't... You know what? I'd rather I'm going to spend time with you. Normally, I'd go do this thing for the, with at church, and I'd go sit and listen to the word. But I'm going to spend time with you. By the way, I just got a question. Here's a couple things, and I, I'm not trying to beat up anybody. I just want to be clear about something. One of the reasons we're having trouble reaching our lost relatives if we haven't shown them a Jesus worth dying for. Because what we tell them is, is they come to town, and it's Saturday night. It's like you know what. Normally, I'd go to church, but we're going to skip church so that we can be here with you guys. What you've just said is, is Jesus is actually not as important to me as you are. So why would they want to serve him? The greatest times of revival, unfortunately, is when the church is the most persecuted and the world sees that we refuse to bow our knee 
because we have a relationship and we cannot deny him. This is the reason in days of old when they were burning Christians at the stake, people would call upon the name of Jesus and jump out of the stands and run down right there with them. Why? Because we had shown them this is real. This is not a religion. This is a reality. This is a living relationship and he is worth my everything. Then you would find your relatives join you because they would see this relationship is worth everything. I'm just giving you some practical help. I'm not beating up anybody. Pastor hadn't said anything to me. I'm just trying to give you some practical help. But then the question does become, if I blow off an appointment in honoring God and to go do something with, with Sid, and then I get into trouble, God doesn't withhold from me. But how many of you know the more you spend time with somebody, the easier it is to hear from them and recognize their voice? Do you know that this room could literally be filled with people and we could all be standing up talking and stuff? My wife could laugh and I could tell you exactly where she was because of the intimacy level that we have. It wouldn't matter what confusion was going on in this room. It wouldn't matter what was happening. If she giggled or she laughed, I could tell you exactly where she was. Intimacy. One of the reasons people have trouble recognizing the voice of God in the day of trouble is because they've been spending time with all this other stuff. It's an intimacy thing. It's not a God withholding thing. It's an intimacy thing. Are you all with me? All right. Now, I want to get into some practical stuff. Oh, man, I'm almost out of time. Um, <clears throat> I want to get into a couple practical things. Um, first off, let's go with uh, Jeremiah 29. How many of you are already glad you came? Even if I stepped on your feet a little bit. Verse 13. Well, go up, um, or let's go to verse 11, because a lot of times people like verse 11. It says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now notice this in verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. There's a difficulty. One of the problems people have trouble hearing from God is they actually don't seek Him with all their heart. They seek Him with a distracted heart. Because right now, I'm crying out to God, but I'm focusing on my problem. <laughs> Y'all here or are you going home? You've never done this? I'm crying out to God, and it sounds really spiritual, but right now, my mind is not on God. My mind is, what am I going to do? What about this problem here? You're not seeking Him with all your heart. You're seeking Him with all of your emotions. You're seeking with your desperation. But when you're setting aside in singleness of focus, I will hear from Him. This is no longer about the problem. This is about me hearing. And I'm giving Him my everything. Now, part of this you have to work on, right? That's, that's what uh, David did, right? It's the 103rd Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's talking to himself. Hey, all of you in here, all of this going on, shut up. Right now, all, every part of my being right now is going to focus and center up on God. We're not centering up on the problem. We're not centering up on the difficulties. We're centering up on God and who he is. 
All that is within me, bless His holy name. All that is within me, empower Him to prosper in me right now. I'm focusing on Him. Seek Him with all your heart. And be honest with yourself when you're not. Be honest with yourself when you're paying Him lip service. Be honest with yourself where, where you're, 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 you're seeking Him a little bit, but the rest of you is trying to figure this out in your head. Okay, I've got a question for you. You come to work at Curdle Ministries tomorrow, okay? And I say, um, listen, I need uh, this particular document. It's in one of those five filing cabinets right over there, okay? So I, I know how you're going to do, right? Because you're going to do like I would do. Because you're going to go over and you're going to like real quick, and you're flipping the tabs, right? Right? Five filing cabinets, five drawers each. Real quick, you're looking at the headings. So you blow through it pretty quick, right? And so it takes you a little while to get through it, but basically you get there, right? We started at 9 in the morning. It might take you about an hour to get through everything, looking at each other in tab. You don't see it. You don't see it. Okay? So now what you're going to do is now you're going to pull out each individual file folder. Maybe something has been misfiled. So you're going to open it up and you're going to flip through every single piece of paper. Okay? This is going to take you longer than that. Right? You go through every, you go through every folder, every piece of paper you think you have, and you don't find it. Okay? So... Now, you go into the church building, you take up all the chairs, okay, and now you're laying out every piece of paper in every filing cabinet one by one to make sure you haven't missed anything. So you're, you're, you're all out here and you're looking at all of it, you don't see it. So now you go out to the tool shed, you get a screwed gun, you go over to the, the filing cabinets, and you take these puppies apart, piece by piece. You've taken them all apart. You've completely disassembled, because after all, a piece of paper could have gotten stuck somewhere in there. Now, I, at this point, I walk in, and I, I couldn't find you out, out, out in one of the buildings. So I, now I've walked in, and you're in the sanctuary. My filing cabinets are all in pieces. Paper is everywhere, and you're standing there in the midst, and you, you don't see the piece of paper. What can we conclude? It's not there. This is exactly what you do to your mind all the time. You sit there and you've got a problem and you go through your brain over and over and over and over and over and over where you should have concluded long ago the answer is not here. This is not where the answer is. So I need to quit fellowshipping with this and start fellowshipping with the one that has the answer. Quit going through the filing cabinet. Stop! Go talk to the one that has all knowledge and spend time with him. Seek him with all your heart. Are you with me? Okay. Let's look at a couple things. Uh, Psalm chapter 4. Now, in fairness, I've taught on these like for an hour each, so I'm kind of buzzing through some of them, but we'll... Psalm chapter 
4, he says, But know that the Lord has set us apart for himself, those who are godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Let me ask you something. We're in Psalm 4, 3 and 4. How much stillness can you give him? Get still. Meditate on your bed. Seek him. Be still. How much stillness do we give him? Truly being still. Still our mind. And I'm not talking about going void in your mind and all that a mess. I'm talking about you focus on him. Be still. Know that he is God. To be still. Get quiet. On this particular thing, it means absolutely still because you're laying on a bed and you are getting completely still and focusing on him. How much stillness do we offer him? How, how important is this to us? One of the reasons people don't hear from God is this is what they do. Lord, Lord, listen, I got, a, I got this problem, and uh, Lord, I need an answer. Okay, thanks, Lord. I, I, I'll, get back, I'll get back with you. Right? We treat him like he's McDonald's. Right? If you don't give me my Happy Meal fast enough, I'm just going to drive off. And this isn't, this isn't the way that it works. In order, one of the reasons that you have to be still is at some point you, you have to quit listening to everything else. You have to quit listening to all the fears. You have to li- quit listening to all the worries and what your friends said and what the people said and what the problem's trying to talk to you and what the bills are saying. It takes a minute to shut all that out and be still and focus on Him. Remember, as long as you're staring at Him, you can walk on water. You take your eyes off Him, you'll begin to sink. Be still. All right. Now, let's go with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 20. I can go a little bit longer tomorrow since we started an hour earlier. Okay, so... Verse 5, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Now, this is a challenging verse because you remember when I told you that a lot of times I was putting a price on the privilege, right? I was coming up with stuff. I was getting busy and stuff. And I'd, I'd give God a shot at answering it, right? You ever done that? I'll give him a shot at it. I'll, I'll spend a minute here and listen for a, just a short period of time, and if you don't do anything within this short period of time, I'll just come up with an answer myself. Am I, am I the only person that's done that? It's like I, I, didn't, I didn't hear anything. I, I gave him three minutes. I didn't hear anything. This is what I'm going to go do. All you've demonstrated is you are not a person of understanding. I had to learn this in ministering to people. Is people would come in, and they'd want counseling, and then, it's going to take some time, and I don't have that much time. Okay, you've just demonstrated you're not a person of understanding. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. If you are not willing to take the time to draw it out, you have no understanding. You're standing there at a well, and you're, you're, there, you're standing there at a well, and there's a glass of water, and you should take the glass of water to prime the pump, but instead, it's like, I'm just thirsty right now, so I'm just going to drink this. 
You've just shown yourself you're, you're no person of understanding if you'd have had your understanding. Yeah, but I'm thirsty right now. Yeah, but if you drink this glass of water, you'll still be thirsty. If you'll dump it into this pump, you'll prime this pump. You will drink as much as you could possibly drink till you pass out. But you've demonstrated your lack of understanding by not being willing to prime the pump. Are y'all with me? So every time you are pulled, listen, there is an arrogance. There is a pride to, I don't need to hear from God in this. I don't need His opinion, and I don't need His counsel. There is a pride involved in there that we have to stop. That we're not talking to Him about things. We're not fellowshipping with Him about things. That somehow some of this we've got figured out. Now, again, I don't walk, in, I don't walk into my closet and pray over what I'm going to wear. However, I'm listening if he wants to bring something up. I don't walk in there and like, all right, Lord. Which suit should I pick, Lord? Which suit should I pick? I'm not doing that. But I'm constantly listening. One time, again, I don't pray about what I'm going to wear, but one day I was getting ready to... um, I was going to go preach at a church I'd never been to before. And um, I'm, I'm standing there, and the Lord I said, I want you to wear this pink tie. And I'm like, what would you care whether I wore a pink tie or not? What in the world is that about? And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Um, sure, I'll wear a pink tie. And I'm thinking, what is this about? Now, again, I don't pray over, I do not pray over what... Um, uh, everything that I wear. But I'm always listening, right? He can weigh in on anything. So I get to the service, and uh, there's like these three pe- preachers, and I'm the last speaker. And this man's sitting there, and um, he spoke two before me. He was, I think he might have been the first speaker. And the Lord says, this is what's going on in this man's life, and he explains what's happening. That he's hurting, he's in trouble, he's been, he's been attacked. After the service is over, the guy walks up to me and says, that is a beautiful tie. Where did you get that tie? And we start talking about the tie. And then I told him I liked his tie. And then we start talking. And then he opens up and tells me everything that the Lord said. He walked over to me. The thing that opened the door was the tie. So I don't play about everything, but I listen in everything. But why, why aren't we listening for him? Why, in the stuff that we know, why aren't we still listening? What is it that we think we've got figured out? The scripture's clear. We don't know anything yet as we ought to know it. And listen, I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to inspire you. I'm trying to remind you that you literally have a God who it knows everything about everything and will talk to you about all of it. He will talk to you about your plumbing. He will talk to you about your car. He'll talk to you about whatever it is you need talking about. He will visit with you. He will help you. So why? And he's made himself available to us. But it's going to take a minute because the counsel in there is like deep water. But if you really understood what was being offered, you would draw it out. Now, do do you all have wells up here from time to time, I guess, right? How deep are your wells here? Uh, Like if you could dig a a well up here, how deep would you go? 
Yeah. So are we talking a couple hundred feet or a thousand feet? What, what are we talking? Hmm? Three to four hundred feet. See, in Florida, we'll hit water with a spoon. Right? Right? You can dig a well with your kitchen for utensils because you dig a little bit, you get water. But I've lived in Georgia and other places where you can go several hundred, three or four hundred feet. Now, let me ask you a question, right? If we dug a, a hole 400 feet down to the, your aquifer, right? And so I got a bucket and I got a rope that's 400 feet long, okay? And I'm standing there and I'm thirsty. So I take this. How many of you know it's going to take a minute for me to throw the bucket into the hole? It's going to take a minute to get the bucket to go down and hit the water. Three, three, three or four hundred feet, right? It's going to take a while. Then once it's down there, I have to pull the rope. I don't know if you've ever had to do this. You pull the rope around a little bit, trying to get water in, you know, tilt the bucket on the side, try to get it on the side, till you get it filled up. And then you have to, you can't just start pulling this bucket up like, because you'll empty out the water. So what do you do? Nice and steady. You steady it up. You bring the water. How long? That's going to take a minute, isn't it? But if you're thirsty and a person of understanding, you're going to take whatever time it takes. I'm going to take whatever time it takes to get the water from out up there into me, down there into me. I'll take whatever time it takes. This is like deep water. It is not shallow water. It is not something you come by and skim. The counsel is available. It is a Excuse me, it is available to you. He wants to talk to you about anything you want to talk about. But if you want to come by and scoop it up with your hand and move on, it's not going to work for you. Because counsel in there is like deep water. It's like deep water. You need to demonstrate, I understand you have every answer that I need. So I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to throw the bucket down. I'm going to take whatever time it takes to hit the water. Then once I hit the water, I'm going to spend time with it, get the water. And once I know that I have the water, I'm going to draw it out and get it to where it's useful to me. And I'm a man of understanding, so I will take whatever, you are a person of understanding. You will take whatever time it takes to do that. Because you understand once it comes up and once I ingest it, every, my problem is no longer a Band-Aid solution. My, my problem is a permanent solution. Because that counsel is available to me. Anybody ever ever put a Band-Aid on a problem? You didn't listen to God, so you decided to fix it, and now you got to fix it again? Okay. I appreciate those honest people here. I thank you for those few. Now, this, are you willing to drop it down deep? Now, let me, let me also say this, and i got to close because we're at time, but um, the more carnal you are, the more carnal you'll want to hear. Because people invariably, Lord, if it's you, have a red car drive by the house in the next three minutes. Understand, the devil has red cars as well. And so what happens is, is I want to see something I want to feel something because I'm carnal and I need you to reach me in my carnality rather than you lead me spiritually. Now, there's a problem with this. 
okay? And I don't have time to teach on spirit, soul, and body. I've got, I taught it on TV, so you can go online and watch it. But um, ultimately, um, this, this isn't you, right? This is like a suit you travel around in, ultimately, right? So, I mean, if you remember how creation worked, God created man of the dust of the earth and his body. It says and he, there was his body, and then he breathed into him the breath of life, and then he became a living being. Well, the body was already present, but he was not a living being. So the body's not him. The body's something he travels around in. Because the body was right there, and it wasn't doing nothing. He had to breathe into it the breath of life, Right? Now, so God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The truth of the matter is, is the relationship supposed to all be in spirit and in truth because he's a spirit. But see, what happens to people is it's like, okay, let, let me illustrate it this way. Um, I'm standing here. This coat is something that I'm traveling in. This coat isn't me. Right? And so... If I, I, can, I can shed this, and amazing, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Right? And, and so I can, I can lay this coat right here, and look, I'm still fully functional. Do you know that one day you'll lay down this, and you'll still be fully functional, just someplace else? Right? This is the reason racism is stupid. You're, hate, you're hating people for the color of their clothes. Now, I don't like brown and I don't like purple, but I don't look at people who wear brown and purple and say I hate them because that's stupid. Moving right along. Okay, so, so now how many of you, when this service is over, if you got something out of this, how many of you would think it was weird if somebody walked up from the congregation and said, uh, Kurt, I, that message really blessed me tonight. Uh, thank you so much. I, I really got a lot out of that. And, um, man, it just really spoke to me. Praise God. Thank you for coming. Sorry about the snow, but, uh, you know, you'll be back to Florida soon. Bless you. Bless you. How many of you would watch a person do that and think, that's weird? <laughs> Hopefully everyone, right? When you want God to show something to you, feel something to you, you are asking God to walk up to your coat and talk to your coat. I know this isn't the real me, but could you just go ahead and, like, pet it? Could you talk to it? I'd really feel a whole lot better if you just, like, watch up and touch my coat. Let me see something. Let me feel something. By the way, the devil is a sense realm devil, and he can, anything out that you can see, feel, and touch, he can replicate. That's why you should never get freaked out if, like, you're in a room and then all of a sudden a chair like floats across the floor. There's people that just like, oh my God. I, I can do the exact same thing. I can go into your house. I can grab your chair and drag it across the floor. The only difference is you can see me. You can't see the demon that did it. But they didn't do anything special. They did what you do all the time. Why are you freaking out just because you can't see them? Why would I get afraid because a chair moved off the floor? I move a chair off the floor all the time. Right? I tell you about that lady in Turkey who she comes up and she said, Well, I have the power to heal too. And she's talking about she's talking about consulting with demons. I said, The difference between you and I is I can take your power away from you anytime I want to. 
And those things that you're consulting with will eventually rule over you. I've already bowed my knee to the one who gives me the power. He's out for my good. They're out to destroy you. And she's like, I said, she said, you could. I said, I can take your power from in you anytime I want to. I don't know. I didn't know if I told him that, you know, because people, I, t- t- here, here's the thing. The, the people do not like this, but it's true. When it's a devil, I rejoice. It's always easier when it's a devil. Always. When I have to teach you to crucify your flesh, now we have problems. Yeah, ext- extremely more difficult. The devil is easy to deal with. You, it's so much easier when you can just tell the devil to run off than I have to crucify my flesh. Moving right along. Quit. There was a transition. Gideon asked for a sign, and God gave it to him. Jesus shows up and says, It is a wicked and adulterous generation that seeketh after a sign. People say, well, if God gave Gideon a sign, why wouldn't he give me a sign? Because everything changed with Jesus. That before, the man who was in this coat was dead. And God could not fellowship with this man. and couldn't, He had to deal with the coat. That's the reason that when in the Old Testament, when people repented, what did they do? They tear their clothes with sackcloth and ashes. Because they couldn't just repent. Because the life and the nature of the devil is on the inside of them. They can't just make that go away. They have to do something outwardly to tell their inward man, this is wrong and you shouldn't be behaving like this. But then Jesus came and he completely changed the man in the suit. And now he and the man in the suit are one and they can fellowship and that his spirit can bear witness with your spirit. And so God no longer wants to deal with the suit. He wants to deal with you. And I'm just telling you, if you keep demanding um, these outward things, you're you're playing around in the realm that the devil messes around in. And I, I'm out of time. I, I'll give you one more warning. This is a warning, okay? This is probably one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made, okay? And I honestly, I've, I don't think about it anymore, but for a while I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what if I'd uh, handled this differently? There was a, um, I had a family member that was close to me, and she, um, uh, she had a prayer group, uh, a women's prayer group, and they would, uh, they'd be spending time praying in a lot together, and they would not quit praying until they ha- had a word from God. And I'm not talking about an impression. I'm talking about that they either had to in- have the inward voice or something would happen. So in the midst of this thing, um, there was a woman there that uh, she was an older woman, and she was believing God for a child. And... Um, all of a sudden, she starts, her belly starts uh, showing. It starts coming out, right? Looks exactly like a pregnant woman. So this, these, all these people are praying, right? And they're all ha- getting confirmations about, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a baby. You're, you're pregnant. They went over to this other group, and they were all, that's, that's, yeah, that's. Now, they had not gone to see a doctor they hadn't run any pregnancy tests or anything like that they're just getting these confirmations they're wanting to hear these confirmations so it, I think there was like eight people who had confirmation yeah that that's that's a baby now at this point I, I never weighed in on it initially at all 
until I'm in the car with my relative when we're driving, and she looks over and she says, isn't this exciting? We're going to have a new baby? And I looked at her and I said, I think it's exciting that cancer must bow its knee to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that Joyce will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Her face, this is the first thing I've said after all these confirmations and all this other stuff. She turns pale. She gets on the phone. She calls. And she says, you need to see a doctor right away. You need to see a doctor immediately. She goes in. They find out she has cancer. But the tumor began to die and to shrink from that moment in the car. Now that's... And I rejoice that she was healed. Okay, I, I do. But I did not realize, short time later, those people, again, getting confirmation after confirmation, threw their lives and ministries away and destroyed their, their lives and at one point tried to destroy a minister and was praying that he would die and that they would be able to take over his ministry. And they had confirmation after confirmation. And the mistake I made was is I didn't realize the devil was practicing that he could fool this group and convince them with all this outward stuff that this was God, that they would eventually believe that God would do this thing. And I've always wished, thought, well, at the time I did. Now I'm glad they're gone. But um, at the time, I thought, I, I wish I had said something to just say, you guys need to realize you're not hearing from God, that all these confirmations and these external biases where you're being led by the external it's not God, and you need to go back to the drawing board, and you need to, you need to find a safety net and, or, until, and until you, you know, I should have said to him, until you get this thing right, then come talk to me before you start thinking and doing some of this crazy stuff. And I didn't. I didn't do that. We are led by the Spirit of God. That's, remember, we read Romans eight fourteen, right? Those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We're led by the Spirit. We're not led by open doors. We're not led by closed doors. I've always thought that doctrine was really weird considering the Bible. How much more, let me ask you a question. How much more of a closed door do you get than they stone you to death? Anybody, would everybody agree that's a pretty closed door? If the group you're ministering to kills you? Anybody think that's an open door? I mean, that's about as shut door as you get. They kill Paul. He, they, he goes, he goes away, he heals up. Once he heals up, you know where he goes? Right back to where they stone him. If Paul was familiar with the open door doctrine, well, God will open a door or God will close the door. How do you know God? The only way you know that God opened that door is if you ask him. If there's an intimacy level there. I'll tell you, this is a funny story. Okay, and I know I said I'll let you go, but I'll tell you this funny story. This friend of mine, um, he is, uh, he's like a ghost, okay? He's, he's, he's in the tactical world. He is all that in a bag of chips, supposedly, right? So uh, this, this friend of mine has this ghost, and he's training a SWAT team, and the SWAT team's not paying attention to the instructor. So he goes to this guy that's like a ghost, and he says, I want you to embarrass these people, okay? So the first thing the guy does is he, he actually suspends up in the ceiling. The SWAT team goes by. As the team moves by, he drops down behind them and takes them out one by one while they're in their stack. 
But the funny thing that he did was this. is two guys come into the room to clear the room. When they go into the room, he, he takes them both out. But the rest of the team is out in the hallway. So he's in the room with the two guys he set aside. And then he yells out to the team, all clear, come on in. They come in the room and then he shoots them with the simunitions, takes them all out. Because they didn't know the voice of their teammate. He, opened, he, he literally opened the door for him and said, come on in, door's clear. Because, you know, they'd shut the door. Shouldn't you clarify why the door is open? Shouldn't you talk to someone? People drive around and say, well, I don't, I, maybe God wants me to do that. Or maybe God wants me to do this. Guess what? Do you know that not, there's not one time Sid has ever stat, sat for hours, Pastor Sid has sta, sat for hours and stared at me going, I wonder if he's hungry. I wonder where he wants to eat. Do you know how, you know what he does? It, it's amazing. You know what he does? It's, you hungry? What you want to eat? Why can't we do that with the Lord? Why do we sit here and stare at him and say, well, maybe he wants me to do this? Hey, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You want intimacy. I want intimacy. I've got counsel. What would you like? And then take whatever time it takes to get that answer. Take whatever time it takes to spend time with him until you hear that clearly. This is how you will avoid shipwreck. Now tomorrow night we're going to do things a little bit. I'm going to start teaching some practicalities of some things. Okay? But by the way, uh, again, let me just clarify this. Never look at something. Paul had to, by faith, kick down doors. They were absolutely shut. And he, with the power of God, had to open them. There were other doors that were open to him that the Spirit of God had to say, don't go there, go here. This is an intimacy thing. This is not an external thing. Do you know how frustrating it is when I'm talking to somebody, and, and, and this is, if this is you, you need to take a step back from this, is I say, what is the Lord telling you to do? Well, this is going on, and I have this opportunity, and I have that opportunity. That's not what I ask you. I didn't say, what do you see, feel, and touch? I said, what is the Lord telling you? Well, yeah, but my, my mom has given me this opportunity and I have this. You're, all you're telling me, everything is external. You're not telling me about the counsel that is in your heart right now. You're not telling me about the direction. You're telling me what you're seeing. You're telling me what you're feeling. You're telling me what you're touching. You're not telling me what the Lord who is completely in love with you is telling you. You're telling me about what's available. You're telling me about opportunities. You're not telling me what he's saying. Do you all understand what I mean? And I have trouble getting people to see this. Well, I have this opportunity. Well, this door. I didn't ask any of that. I didn't. I ask you, what is your Lord telling you? That's what I ask you. The one who died to have a living relationship with you. The one who invited you into that you might know me. This is eternal life, that you might know me. I want you to know me. I'll give you counsel on anything and everything. That literally Jesus was made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And why are we talking about what opportunities you have? Why aren't you telling me about what he's saying? 
Okay, your opportunity. What is, the, what is he saying about the opportunity? What's he saying? I, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, well, we're going to help you with that tomorrow night. And I'm going to be very, very practical. Okay, I'm not, normally I teach on di- uh, different ways that God speaks. Tomorrow night I'm just going to center up on one. Okay, But I'm, I'm asking you, this is so important to your life, to your future. Quit looking around and start looking at Him. Start realizing that there's counsel on the inside of you. Jesus has come to wisdom itself, knowledge itself. You have an anointing from the Holy One, 1 John 2.20, by which you know all things. You have an anointing from the Holy One that teaches you concerning all things that is true and is not a lie, 1 John 2.27. It's not outward, it's inward, folks. It's in a way that cannot be manipulated and cannot be fooled. You can be fooled by the external, but you cannot be fooled by Him witnessing on the inside of you to the truth. He loves you. And He wants better for you than you could ever imagine. This is a priceless privilege. It is a supreme advantage. But you don't walk by and skim the top of it to get it. You have to make up your mind to let down the bucket deep. And no matter how much time it takes, that's what I'm going to do. Amen? Amen. Pastor? Did y'all get something out of this tonight? Please don't anybody come up and talk to my coat. A good, rich word, amen. I want to give you uh, a couple helpful points, pointers that have helped me um, that go along with what Brother Kurt was sharing. And um, the first one is on, he's talking about being still and, and listening to the Lord and just coming before the Lord and being still. And one of the things I found early on as I did that was things would come to my remembrance, things I needed to do, things I had forgotten about. And so I would recognize, oh, that was the Lord reminding me, and so I would go do it, and now the quiet time with Him went away, right? Because I went to go do the thing He had reminded me about. So the pointer I'm going to give to you is have a notepad handy. That changed so many things for me. Is I'd get quiet before the Lord and immediately uh, something comes up and remember, oh yeah, I got to go. You make the note of that and now you go right back to the Lord. Oh, now there's something else. Make a note of it. And it's a way to, you're honoring what He's doing for you and reminding you of these things, but not being sidetracked by them, right? So that helped me. So that's one pointer. The other is, yeah, that's good. The other thing was he was talking about dressing. And just like him, I don't go in my closet and pray and, and, oh Lord, what clothes should I put on? But I'm listening. And many times the Lord has directed me on what He wanted me to wear. And usually I have no idea why and I never find out why, right? But what I would say to you is as a pointer that has helped me. Sometimes you put something on and yeah, it just doesn't feel right. But I really wanted to wear that. So you try something else. No, that doesn't work right either. And... You know, right then is a good time to stop and listen. And I've found that when those times happen, if I stop and listen, there's something the Lord wants to say to me or show me, or in particular that He wants me to wear. Why? I don't know. But that unsatisfied feeling on the inside is because you're missing it. Right? Or it can be. So, so listen to that. And then the third and final thing is 
I learned this by listening to uh, Brother Hagin, but he would talk about um, laying out a fleece before the Lord, and he had this saying, and he would say, those who put out fleeces get fleeced, right? And so for our young people in the house who probably haven't listened to Brother Hagin, if you put out a fleece, just like Pastor said, that you're, you're dabbling in the natural and you're going to be taken advantage of. So it's in here where your connection is and where he's going to minister to you, not out here. Amen? All right, stand with me and let's close. Father, I thank you for teaching us tonight and bringing, revealing to us your truth and that we might walk ever more closely to you, more sensitive to you. Father, I ask that you would continue to develop this within us, bring to <coughs> our remembrance the times in our past where you've worked in these ways with us. I thank you for this. Lord, I ask you for a continuation in, in Pastor Kurt of what you've been bringing out through him, that you empower him in every way to do this. And also, Lord, I'm asking you for safety, and we just expect that we're going to arrive home safely tonight and to rest well in Jesus' name, and amen. All right, we'll see you tomorrow night, and um, drive home prayerfully. Take a minute and just say hello to someone, shake someone's hand, greet someone, welcome them. All right, you may be seated, and don't be shy, you can sit far forward tonight, there's plenty of room, except for the uh, safety team, you have to stay in the back where you belong. Thank you for serving, guys, I appreciate it. So tonight, uh, we're going to take an offering here in just a moment, so if you need an envelope for your giving, wave your hands real wildly until an usher sees you and brings you one or two or three. And um, last night I forgot to take the offering, so we don't want to make that mistake again, so we're going to just do it right away. And if you'd like to make up for last night, we can pass the basket twice. But tonight in our, in our giving, and as we sow a seed to the Lord, you know, we want to send Pastor Kurt home blessed. And... Um, the workman is worthy of his hire, is what, is what the Word says. Well, he serves the Lord, and, and by serving us, he serves the Lord, and he's here, and so we want to send him home blessed. But what I want you to do tonight is that in, in what you're giving, what is the Lord stirring up in your heart right now, a Scripture that you can attach to that giving, that you can believe God for? And I'm going to ask you to share those in just a moment. So, so think about it. What, what's, a, what's a rhema word for me in my giving tonight? Some of, some of you may be saying, well, I, I don't have one. Well, if you listen closely to those sitting around you that are going to share here in a moment, the Scripture that, that they're putting their faith to tonight. See, in Romans 8.17 it says that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. And that's why it's important in your giving to attach faith to it so that 
that law of sowing and reaping that the Lord has put into the earth will be supernaturally and, and super abundantly blessed in return to you as he describes in 2 Corinthians. And if you're going to have faith for the seed that you sow, faith only comes from the Word of God. So that's why we have to have, well, where's the Scripture that would, would apply to this particular situation? <coughs> so who has one that they'd like to share with us? Just uh, shout it out real loud. Isaiah 48, 17. Sir John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. All right, that's good. Third John 3, 2. Yeah. And we clearly see the Lord's will for prosperity, soulish prosperity and financial prosperity, because it's prosperity in all things, right? Now, how, how do we know... What causes prosperity to come? Seeds. Seeds, right? It takes seeds. You, you don't believe God for a field of corn without planting any corn, right? You have to plant, and what the Word says, as you plant, you will receive. All right, who's next? Just shout them out. Can I, can I give you one little thing? Yeah. God says the Word of God is the seed, right? He gives, and He gives the seed to the sower. So if you want... The best harvest, get the word from God Himself. What you're supposed to, what you're supposed to believe for. Mm -hmm. So what Steve is saying is, ask the Lord, what sh what should I do in this offering, right? And, and this is this is a, a series on how to hear from God accurately. So it's putting rubber to the road right there, Amen. practicing it. What's the Lord telling me? Because that is is an activation of your faith on the inside of you. And, and specifically, what verse? What verse am I standing on? Because not every, you, there's a lot of verses you can stand on, but what's the verse I'm supposed to stand on? Right. <laughs> That's 2 uh, Corinthians 9 and 11. I want to provide seed for the sower of bread for food, provide multiply your seed, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. As you are enriched in every way, for all generosity, which Thanksgiving to God us. I mean, there's prosperity all over the place there, right? In every way, to do everything. Wow. Who's next? Lord, that teaches me the prophet who leads me in the way that I should go. A generous man will prosper, and he that refreshes others will himself Amen. He that refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The generous person will prosper. I think the verse right before that says something like, He that scatters yet receives more, and the one that withholds what is good and then ends up in lack. You know, there is two sides to it. Mm -hmm. All right, let's do one more. <laughs> Amen. 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 That's what it looks like when, when it grabs you on the inside, right? It's important. 
that you be able to attach the Word of God to your giving. Because that's when you're going to see supernatural results. Amen. All right. If you are ready with your offering, um, ushers, you can pass the baskets. And um, actually, let's t- uh, tomorrow night we'll, we'll do it a little differently. Let's pray over that first before you collect it. Lord, I thank you that your word is eternal and that there is no shadow of you changing in any way, shape, or form. And Lord, it is your desire that we be blessed and that we're the head and not the tail. It is your desire, you've said it so clearly, that we would walk in an abundance equipped to do every good work. So Father, I thank you that what you have put in our hearts tonight to sow as a seed, that it would be returned again abundantly unto the sower, that we are well equipped to do every good work. And Lord, that you are our provider in all things and in all ways at all times. In Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. All right, the ushers can wait on the people, and the people will give unto the Lord and be blessed and prosper in all that they do.